and welcome back to episode four this time of the Predictably Unique podcast. My name is Simon Haig, and we all think we're unique, but in reality we're not. We all suffer to a greater or lesser extent from the same anxieties, fears, and frailties, and that's because we're all human. In this rich, probing, and at times challenging podcast series, David Clive Price and I discuss our thoughts on how others can recover from anxiety, addiction, uh, and constant fear by reaching their true selves and living a resilient, fulfilling, and rich life. Thank you, Simon, for that introduction and for hosting me in this fourth in the Predictably Unique podcast series. Just a little bit about me. Um, I have published 15 leadership, personal improvement, and fiction books and created a global coaching business teaching professionals, executives, and business owners how to transform their mental health challenges into a fulfilled lifestyle and business that impact countless people worldwide. But it wasn't always like that. I learned from my own experience with depression, and alcohol in particular, and not feeling good enough, despite outward signs of success, that coming back from setbacks and black holes is tough. However, the good news is, it's possible, not with quick fixes, but with perseverance and a step-by-step -step route away from fear and anxiety to having a fulfilled life and successful business. You can find the real you within your hidden demons, rather than trying to be someone others think you should be. You too can find the resilience to bounce back from adversity and life's challenges. Throughout the chapters of my recent Hidden Demons book, I intersperse six life strategies for leading your life based on the real you, not on the person you think you should be. And each of the six life strategies, or six steps to well-being, takes an aspect of the recovery process and illustrates it in some detail. And with this, these six life strategies as your guidance, you too can begin to overcome the obstacles that stand in your path and to which so many of us so often have recourse. You can stop being a victim of circumstances or of being held back by others or whatever other quote unquote rational stories we tell ourselves to prevent us from moving forward. Thank you, David. That was wonderful. And as I said, I'm Simon Haig. I've written three business books. I've created and delivered numerous training and coaching programs. I've attained degrees. I've had a pretty wonderful and uh, colorful career during which I've been honored to meet global CEOs and politicians, and I've worked with some um, great business leaders. I've also been very, very addicted to reading self-help and self-improvement and motivation books, often to no avail. Um, I was leading myself up the wrong path by doing that up regularly but in reflecting during COVID-19 lockdown and what has helped me stay together during these turbulent times and actually accelerate my business and 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 substantiate the the base of my personal life I've reflected deeply on six recovery principles that come from 12-step programs and it's these principles that guide me today I'm not perfect I'm human so I make mistakes every day many times every day Having reached a personal rock bottom in 2009, I chose a life without alcohol so I can imagine, so I can experience life in all its rainbow array. This period has irresistibly reflected back to me the magic and power that's contained 
within each of these six recovery principles. For me, the key concepts of willingness, open-mindedness, and honesty that are practiced within the wonderful 12-step programs form a very powerful backdrop for value-driven leadership and a blueprint for a full life, a life full of growth and a full life. These six recovery principles have raised millions of people out of addiction. They've also given wonderful happiness to countless families and have framed the enduring success of some of the greatest leaders and inspirers through time. So I would say, why not give them a go and see what transpires in your own growth journey? Maybe move from the constant pursuit of material status and financial external growth that's finite, finite anyway, it's finite. You can only sleep in one bed at a time or drive one car at a time at, at the expense of many to a more inwardly focused growth. And inwardly focused, you know, the inner growth within us is, is infinite. Nobody's found the depth of the human soul or the human psyche. It's infinite. And so I think it's that that combined us all, combine us all closer and help us grow together. For me, that's what true growth is about. Yeah, thank you, Simon, for that powerful inspiration. <clears throat> so in this fourth episode, we're going to look at build a support team for life. It's very hard for some people to admit they're struggling. One of the characteristics of alcoholics, for example, is that they tell themselves they don't have a problem. I know, I've been there. So there's no reason to share it with anyone. They continue with this illusion until almost the very moment they accept there's a problem. And it's the same with people who have different mental health issues. And you're so right, David. I, in my early days of recovery, I was so sneaky. And uh, I, I used to, you, you're told you're meant to, sh you know, if you have a, a thought of a drink, you're meant to ring your sponsor. And, but I used to ring him before, before I went to get the drink. So I would ring him to get him off my back so then I could be free to go and have a drink. So I was very sneaky and conniving. But, and so for me, it was very hard to share. So how hard do you think it is it for people generally to share? Yeah, big question. But whether you're a high-flying executive or a middle manager or just somebody in daily life, you're very unlikely to tell anyone in your circle that you're experiencing, for example, burnout. You don't go straight into saying to someone, I'm burnt out. And it's the same with isolation. I feel lonely. Are you going to be saying that in your workplace, for example? You fear for your job. So it's difficult. It, it is difficult. And so what about, so worrying about what others think, what do you think about that? Well, on the same track, you fear for your credibility whether it's with the board or with whatever team you belong to. So you keep quiet. You hope the problem goes away. And it's a similar story with people in many walks of life and in whatever age group. You don't like to talk about your problems. Perhaps it's because you're an independent, even a lonely person. You've done it by yourself so far. Your family relies on you to be strong you don't trust anyone with the information. Or you simply don't know who to turn to for help. So you need to build a support team that will be invaluable when problems arise. And I agree 100% with that. For me, 
the connection that I get within AA is as much, if not more important to me now as the program. So when I've, because if I, if I'm left to my own devices, the, the, the negative voice in my head will always say to me, if I don't practice the program over a few weeks, Simon, you can start doing sneaky things again. You can start being sneaky again. I know that's in my, the back of my head. I know it, it always will be there. So when I involve others, it's much harder to be sneaky. So how do you involve others? Well, it's, in some ways, it's simpler than you, anybody would think. Because rather than thinking you can do everything by yourself, try having a look around in your workplace or among your friends, among your business partners. Who would be likely to give you support and guidance if you needed them? Often, they are surprisingly right there in your world. And you'll be surprised how many of them like to share vulnerability if you share yours and show courage. That's because they've been where you are at some time in their own lives, or they may even be there right now. Trust, like recovery, is only built one day at a time. But if you don't reach out and share, you're missing out on one of the most basic human strategies for self-preservation, which is showing empathy and giving support. Absolutely. So what, what I'd like to build into this now is I'd like to talk a little bit about keeping it simple and, and also connecting, which is building upon what you've said, I've talked about building a support team for life. So of course, it's important to plan, but try not to over intellectualize things. I remember for years I used, to, I saw certain words in step one of, of the 12 steps that don't actually exist. It's amazing for a couple of years. I thought I, I thought I saw, I think it was, um, admitted or accepted or some, something, I thought something was in there. And it was only years ago later that I realized, and I was just in over intellectualizing things. My ego is in the way. So it's very important to use time effectively. Choose who you hang out with and share your precious time with. It's, it's so important to do that. And, and do that in a simple way. When you spend time with people, do it simply. Don't overcomplicate things because, and form boundaries, form barriers. I think that's so important. So what about this, this feeling of disconnectedness? I, for me, of, of any of the discussion points in these six episodes, and I'm, this is probably new to you coming from me, this is probably the biggest thing that I suffer from, um, a deep, gnawing emptiness. I never really suffer from depression. Um, I never really suffer from kind of sadness, but I always had this deep, gnawing feeling of emptiness in my gut, you know, and... David, did, did, did you feel that as well, an emptiness in your gut? Absolutely, yes. Like a hole, not only in your gut, but a hole in the universe. You're Absol not connected to anything, right? Absolutely. And, and so that, that really is that disconnectedness. And for me, that disconnection manifests itself in different ways for different people. But I would argue that, that the, uh, the stunted mental and psychological growth of, the, of this alcoholic serves to make him or her feel disconnected from humanity as a whole, let alone his or her own, own wholly fulfilled being. For me, I, I often say, and maybe this is a bit contentious, but I often think alcoholism should be renamed whole in the soul. For me, it was the whole in the soul. You know, alcohol, alcohol is just what you reach out for, but I think it's the having a hole in your soul, whatever the soul is. Does that, does that resonate with you as well? Yeah, very much so. And not only a hole in the soul with, with alcoholism, but sometimes with anxiety or with depression too. Yeah. 
um, and a general fear, a sense of foreboding or fear. Um, so, so how do we approach this big question of reconnecting? Okay, so for some in recovery, the reconnection might be to others. It could be to other people. It could be whether that's within a group, so AA, or it could be a group of other friends, or it might be somebody professional, or more usually in one or more of a series of close personal relationships based upon non-self-interest, loving another, no less or more than the alcoholic loves themselves. For others, it might be a contended feeling corresponding to a renewed sense of purpose. I often, when I do work with people, what seems to be missing coaching work and mentoring is that they seem to miss having a purpose in life, whatever that purpose is. And I think we all need a, a feeling of purpose. So an existential fulfillment of, of potential for others, it might be a passion for a higher power, whether it's religion or non-religion. I'm not particularly religious, but I definitely believe in a power greater than me. Um, or it could be a combination of any of those three, a purpose, a belief in a higher power or other people. Ultimately, most people usually follow all three of these recovery pathways to a greater or lesser extent, experiencing positive and not so positive periods of growth and self reconnection. I mean, over my 12 odd years of recovery, um, I've had positive periods. I've had great periods. I've had numb kind of okay periods, but, but I've kept, kept on the program, happiness and disappointments control and states of acceptance and pure joy. I mean, all of these things come and go in waves during recovery. So, but I think they're the three mains of reconnection, people, higher power, or a sense of purpose. And would you single out one as being the most important or one approach? I think for me, it's, what's clear is that recovery from the whole and the soul, as I keep saying, isn't found in anger. It's definitely not found in greed, guilt, judgment, or disconnection from mankind. It's not found in attachment to material comforts. What matters for me is filling the hole through connection to the things that nourish your soul or yourself, whatever that is, that fill the hole in the soul, connecting to self and other humans that matter to us. So for example, yesterday, you know, I was co-running a conference on global equality and you were one of the wonderful guests there. And um, for me, that just felt a huge sense of purpose bringing that about, organizing it, bringing it about, being there with 16 wonderful thought leaders from around the world. And uh, that, that really fed my soul, you know? So, um, and that, you know, John, John, I think it was John Lennon who said, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will live as one. I think key there is connection. You know, God forbid if you were like, um, Matt Damon and you were dropped on Mars and you were the only person on Mars, I, I, I would go out of my head. I would literally go, if I were locked in a cell, I would go insane. I have to connect. So I think that really is, for me, the essence, David. Yeah, very well said. And I think summing it up, it's uh, the support team, which is part of the whole connection strategy, right? And with the connection strategy comes filling the hole in the soul gradually, bit by bit, and refining your purpose. I think that's so important um, and something that I've discovered for myself over the years and relapses into addiction and out of it. And listen, observe, be curious about other people. I mean, we need to rediscover sometimes. We're so, we're so lost in our the hole in the soul that we, we lose our curiosity strangely enough and yeah. 
if we can refine that through reconnection and observing others and being curious about others, then somehow we're, we're, we're on the way to, to a, a different kind of wavelength altogether. Well, so, so thank you, Simon. And, and thank I, look forward, I look forward to sharing the next episode in this podcast series with you. Thanks Likewise. Thank you, David. That was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.